Hello, and welcome to the Building Educator Capacity Podcast, where we strive to improve student learning by expanding the capacity of our diverse school districts. I'm Phil Anderson, CISA 2 Communications Coordinator and Podcast Host, joined by Executive Director of Communications at CISA 2 and co-host of this podcast, Mitchell Lilly. How are you today, Mitchell? Doing well, Phil. Thanks for having me. Wouldn't expect anything less. This episode focuses all on chat GPT, specifically through the lens of our school districts. What impact has it had? Does it have any usefulness as a tool? Today, our digital leadership and learning consultant, Frank Devereaux, chats with Mike Sendall from Beloit Turner and Adam Scalen from Norway Joint 7 on chat GPT's challenges and surprising benefits to a productive and efficient workplace. Mike Sindahl is the Director of Technology for the School District of Beloit-Turner, where he manages, supports, and promotes a future-ready learning environment for students and staff. Starting his career as a teacher, Mike is able to bring an educator's lens to EdTech. Mike is one of 35 certified educational technology leaders in Wisconsin. Adam Scalen is a superintendent for the Norway Joint 7 School District in southeastern Wisconsin. Adam has a longstanding passion for technology integration in the classroom. From formal personalized learning training to attending the World Maker Fair in New York to spotlighting at the USM Summer Spark Symposium to presenting as a highlighted speaker at the well-renowned ICE Conference in Illinois. Adam has stayed vested in integrating cutting-edge technology into the fabric of each system he's worked with. All right. Well, I am Frank Devereaux from CISA 2, and I am really excited for our podcast today. I have a couple guests, Mike Sindel from the School District of Beloit-Turner. He is the Director of Technology, and we also have Adam Scanlon. He's a superintendent for the Norway Joint 7 School District in southeastern Wisconsin. And today, we're going to talk about the hottest thing that's hit the Twitterverse and the YouTubeverse and basically news publications around the country. It is exploding and impacting so many aspects of our society. And that would be chat GPT and all of the different generative AI or artificial intelligence uh, kind of explosion that we're seeing uh, with different ones and how we're going to mainly be talking about how it's impacting education. And so I am, uh, like I said, super excited to talk about this topic because it is uh, both you're seeing it in the news as a powerful uh, positive force and seeing it in terms of negative type of news feeds as well. So can you guys just quickly introduce yourselves? Yeah, um, I'll kick things off. Uh, like you said, my name's my name's Adam, Adam Scanlon, uh, first year superintendent here in the state of Wisconsin for the Norway Joint Seven School District, and I'm actually a doctoral student as well at Cardinal Stritch University. And I actually learned about Chat GPT during one of my classes, and it was actually just a couple days after it had come out, and was in a really interesting spot to have some really dynamic conversations around what that meant, especially as we were sitting there wrapping up a semester. It came out, I believe, toward the what end of a November or early December, and we were wrapping up our semester. And of course, that's right at the point where you've got a bunch of end-of-term papers. And so even as, even as adults, we immediately started talking about 
how that might help us and, and what that would look like and really immediately started trying to push it to the limits and see what we could and couldn't do with it. So I'm, I'm excited to talk about that today. Thanks so much for having us on. Yep. And my name is Mike Sindel. I'm the director of technology for the school district of Beloit Turner. I've been here since 2016. First time I saw ChatGPT was it was on a Facebook feed. Um, and my, my initial thought was, Hey, we could use that for our help desk. <laughs> and little did I know, uh, like it, it's going to have this major impact on, on not just education, but the world. Now, if it's not chat GPT, it's going to be what's behind it with open AI. So yeah, I'm, thanks for having us on. Yeah. I think it came out November 30th. And I think by December 4th, it already had a million users that had signed up for it and already, uh, pushing it to the limits. I've heard that recently it, it, it's a wait to get in, right? And so it's it's really being tried by people all over the world. And and once again, thank you guys for being here. I'm just gonna kick it right off and and just go dive right into it and and ask you guys this this straightforward question: How have you leveraged it already, personally or professionally? What stories or examples have you heard of? in your circles because we've been talking about it in almost every network meeting at CISA. <laughs> I've gone to I go to network meetings pretty much weekly and almost every uh, meeting we've been having conversations about it. I would say, you know, Adam talking here, what's so interesting to me about it is that when people first use it, it's been almost the same response in every scenario in terms of wow, this is cool. It's kind of neat. It kind of feels just like, oh, it's this, it, oh, it, you know, it writes back to you. And then you start to push the limits a little and you're doing it with your own background knowledge, right? Like you're doing it with the view that you have of your family, of your job, of your interests, of your background knowledge. And then as you start to push it, it becomes a bit scary and you start to realize really what it really can do. And I have been through kind of this roller coaster of excitement and like, oh my gosh, this is a little scary. This is also really exciting. And then all of a sudden you start to hear and see the way other areas are using it, like lawyers, people analyzing the history of the stock market, people using it to fix computer code that they've been working on for six months. All of a sudden things that are not in your wheelhouse, you're hearing how even other places are using it. And to me, that's one of the biggest you know, professional and personal uses across where you you so much operate within your own prior knowledge, but when you start to hear how other people are using it, it it's it's just incredible. Um, I would say personally, I've used it. Uh, I have a I'm a dad to four kids. My wife is also a teacher. I'm a club soccer coach. My kids are involved in theater and gymnastics and soccer and basketball and the whole nine yards. And I thought one of the coolest personal things was going on and saying, please create a meal plan for me for a family of six that includes five dinners and on the weekends includes lunch, you know, and you get kind of specific and I would like it to include three different uh, maybe regions of the, of the world and make sure that one of your meals is pescatarian. One of your meals is vegetarian and I'd like all of them to be a serving size of under 600 calories and have a cooking time and prep time, you know, in total under 45 minutes. And then you press enter and within seconds, all of a sudden my meal planning's done for the week. And you follow it up with a prompt that says, hey, can you create a recipe list or a, a shopping list so I can go shopping for these, these recipes? And then it immediately creates that. 
And, and, and if you didn't like been... the meal plan, you just hit recreate, right? Yeah. <laughs> you just say redo. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. And and so yes. that kind of stuff, I mean, immediately for me, when I look at that on a personal level, like that has changed what would take us, you know, typically 20, 30 minutes on a given, on a given week. I think professionally, um, I've used it to figure out icebreakers to do with staff before meetings. I've used it to help generate ideas and starting points for IEP goals. Some of my staff have used it to begin inputting rubrics and having to analyze student text and give feedback. I have synced it with Otter AI, which is a transcript service. So if I have a meeting, I'll Zoom record it. Otter AI will then create a transcript for me. I can copy and paste that transcript into chat AI and ask it to develop key themes that came from that meeting and then give me what was determined in the meeting as next steps and who's in charge of doing that. And so when you start to sync these AI products together, I mean, you're talking school board minutes, PTO minutes, school, you know, staff meetings, those are hours and hours of time that you spend and it has freed up so much of my time on a professional level. The one takeaway I'll, I'll, I'll jump in before Mike gives his response. The one thing that just stood out to me was was how how detailed and how personal and, and in depth it went, and you just kept pushing it right, and and that to me is the difference between this and what I've seen in anything that came before this is that that level of detail and, and specificity that you just go right into exactly what you want in those meals or those lesson plans or that IEP. I, I have heard it in terms of. Uh, uh, teachers and educators using it for rationale for for educate for IEPs, uh, and then obviously they have to maybe customize it or personalize it a little bit based on the student they're dealing with. But really, it, it helps uh, focus and helps them word things and wordsmith things that would, may have taken 20, 30 minutes a, a, a pop for each student, right? And so it is definitely a time saver. Yeah, and so this is Mike. The, the first time I actually got in, created an account and, and started playing around with it, I, I think I had a very similar reaction that Adam had. And it was a roller coaster of, whoa, I don't know how I feel about this, but usually I'm on the cutting edge of things. So like I'm, a, I'm an early adopter, but I felt a little threatened about this because so I have, I have an advanced degree and can this thing do what I can do? Um, so there it. It takes a while. So I, I went home that night, did a lot of reflecting. And then I got to a good point where I was, I was seeing this can be, this could be used to, to make things better, to, to make things more efficient and really like communication as a whole, it, it should get better because of chat GPT and other products like it. We have to find a way to, to make things more engaging, to make, make things more efficient, maybe even not take his time to, to consume on the other end. So professionally, the thing that I've been using this for the most recently is just coding. Um, so I wanted something on our website to look specific. I, I wanted to look like a, an HTML5 button that had some animation to it. And what would have taken me hours to figure out by looking at Stack Overflow articles or like on, on Reddit, it took me 30 seconds. And then I didn't like the first one. So I created another one and then I had exactly what I wanted. It's really, it's really great for coding. I have student texts and 
I've been working with them um, just to, to ask them what they think of it and, and what can we do with it. So one of the first things we did was, all right, what do we want to create with it? And so one of the students said, I want to create a Flappy Bird game. So we, we created an HTML Flappy Bird game. And I said, okay, how, do, how are we going to customize this? So, and they, this was right before Christmas. They said, well, let's make the bird Santa and the pipes chimneys. So then we asked it to do that. They did it right away. It was, it was pretty cool. I've also used this for drafting emails for cybersecurity that I could send out to staff. Um, it's, it's a lot easier to have something draft an email for you and then go back, customize it, personalize it for your district than just creating it from scratch. So that was really beneficial too. That was easy. I think something that you just said, Mike, that resonates with me and I, I iterated so many times when I, you know, yeah, I love talking about this with people is to me right now, this, this is a fantastic tool for a starting point for tweaking little things to getting some ideas to, to processing through some of those elements that maybe otherwise would take a little bit. It's not getting rid of the human component, right? There's still, you still want to edit. You still need, like, I I think people get caught up with, oh, this is going to replace, you know, humankind. Like I've heard the, you know, these, oh my gosh, this is going to eliminate so many jobs and this and that and that. It's a starting point and it allows you to to have a launching point. I mean, I'm working for a district. We're updating some of our online registration stuff and we have some forms that haven't been updated in years. And instead of me spending all this time on a student handbook or a new technology use agreement or something like that, I can say, hey, please develop an appropriate, you know, technology use agreement that would take place in the year 2023 for a K-8 rural school that includes, you know, this, 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 and this, and it can create it. And and is that what I'm going to copy, paste, send out? Absolutely not. Is it but a it gives you a starting yep. point? Yeah, amazingly so. Yes. Yep. So you can take that and you can send it out to your staff and, and get feedback from it and yeah, then you have what you need to send out to, to parents. That's exactly it. Well, and I, I like, uh, this is Frank talking now. When you were talking about the students making a game with HTML and, and then personalizing it to them, right? It, it made me think about how valuable this will be in the future iterations of it, right? It, and then isn't that the point is that maybe someday, students will be able to customize the AI to support them and with their needs and their specific needs, right? Is there going to be a coding one? Is there going to be an office one? Is there going to be a, you know, therapy one? You know, who knows where this is going to lead? And this is just the first major iteration to this. And that personalization of it, to me, is the where I'm like, wow, I, I'm just thinking of all the possibilities because students are so creative. They have so much imagination of where this can lead, right? Because they're they're growing up with this and they're going to say, hey, how can I make it bigger, better, you know, faster, uh, more personalized for me? So yeah, I, I, I love what you guys, uh, you know, how you're pushing it and how you're trying it, you know, whether it's for meals or for coding. It's just all fascinating to me what this can do. I'm going to, I'm going to switch gears now and I'm going to go kind of pull us back in and, and ask that, go get onto the next question and move on to that. That what do you think is going to be the biggest concern for schools 
in terms of students using a tool like uh, ChatGPT or Dolly, Midjourney, or things like that, the, the novel AI, these tools that you know are for society, but schools are very concerned or or, or leery about opening it up to their student body. Yeah. So, and actually, I was going to say this is a response to one of the last statements you said, but. We need to make sure that kids can can generate original content like they need to have their own ideas. They can't just be consumers of technology. So I think we can do that in a way that uses things like chat GPT, but we need to specifically teach that. Um, otherwise, yeah, kids are going to take the path of least resistance or some kids will. And they're going to they're going to have it write the papers for them. But if, if we teach them how to use these tools to make their papers better, we're going to have a better, better society for the, for everybody. You know, I, I think it makes me think of a very interesting quote that's always resonated with me from Bill Gates. He, he made a, a I think a pretty controversial statement, but it, it was in jest, but not that something along the lines of, I choose a lazy person to do a hard job because a lazy person will find an easy way to do it. <laughs> and <laughs> that resonates with me with the chat AI because really it's it's people immediately thinking to how can I find a workaround and how can I do less work, right? Like how can I have this created for me rather than put it in? And so I think that's an interesting concept. I think to me, it's also an element of history repeating itself. If you were to talk to educators through the decades about the way things have evolved, I, I personally remember growing up and I, I remember having to learn how to navigate the dictionary, having to learn how to navigate the thesaurus, how to navigate which of the encyclopedias I'm going to grab A through Z and how certain ones are split in half even. And that was so important. And we spent so much time learning that. And then we got the CD of, of Encyclopedia Britannica 2000, <laughs> right? And I, I would imagine that my teachers were probably like, well, these kids aren't even going to have to learn how to navigate an encyclopedia. They've just got it on a CD, right? And so then mm -hmm. you fast forward and all of a sudden, well, there's these personal computers and you're telling me that they can just, they can just type it instead of handwrite it or, you know, the launch of Google or Yahoo or right. Remember ask Jeeves, right? So, well, you're telling me you can just go on to ask Jeeves or you can go on to MapQuest and it's just going to give you directions. You're not going to have to know how to, how to drive. You know, you look at that in the evolution of technology. And, and to me, that's, that's that this is just another step. It's just another tool you've still got to learn how to use it. You're still going to be, our job is to teach kids and as humans is to be critical of things and, and to be appropriate with them. And so I, I think my biggest concern is, is twofold, is number one, are kids viewing it as a tool that is productive for them and are staff seeing it as a threat or as a tool? And so those are going to be two things that either are going to go together or are going to have conflicting views with within varying districts. And I think it'll be very interesting to see how that evolves over the coming years. It's going to be very, very interesting to see how districts handle it and also how it evolves and what safeguards are and are not in place. Well, it makes me think of something you said earlier uh, about the board minutes, right? And, and synthesizing some of the 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 data from a uh, a meeting right and and compiling all that and and grabbing a theme right and, and composing an email 
that you would send out to a, a staff or the board or, or the superintendent or whatever. And, or you are the superintendent. So hopefully they're sending it. <laughs> but um, I, I'm thinking of, you have a, an administrative assistant who, you know, may have done that for you in the past. And if this person used a tool like this to compose that and synthesize that information and delivered and, and, you know, modified it, tweaked it a little bit, but delivered a very intelligent, you know, thoughtful way to share this information. Why would we penalize that person as opposed to saying, no, I really wanted it to be your own words and I wanted you to spend an hour on it and it wouldn't, it wouldn't be as good as this one. Why would we ever accept that? Why would we ever want that? Right. We'd want that person to have the intelligence to say, okay, this I am not an, an excellent writer, or it takes me a long time to synthesize this. I would get it eventually, but I could have this help me. Why wouldn't we utilize, leverage that tool? We would always, well, go ahead. It, it's the same concept as a spreadsheet, right? So if you're using Excel or Google Sheets, I mean, and back in the day, you had people adding that stuff all up by hand, but now, now you can use a spreadsheet and not only add it up, I mean, I mean you can build you massive can, spreadsheets. You that, yeah, you manipulate yeah. that data in any which way you want. Exactly. Yep. And it's just more efficient. So you, would you penalize somebody for using a spreadsheet? You know, I think I, one of the one of the most interesting notions, we, we had this conversation um, in, in my class the, the first weekend that it came out. There's an interesting argument made, and, and I don't know how I feel either way about it. It's just an interesting one to ponder, is that... I think an overall agreed upon statement could be made that plagiarism would be defined as taking someone else's intellectual work and claiming it as your own. Okay. So if we can agree that that in and of, you know, the essence of that is, is what that means. Chat AI is so different in, in this arena in the sense that it is not an individual's thoughts. If anything, it's replying back to the query that I gave. So therefore, isn't that ownership of me? Because if Mike did, you know, this certain query and Frank did one and Adam did one and we all queried the same ideas, we're not going to all input it the same way. And the chat's learning from itself all the time. So the, the, the responses are going to be different. So is that my own intellectual property? And, and if so, then the argument could be made that there's no case for plagiarism because you're not claiming it as being someone else's work. You're the one that really is just using a tool to create it. And that was one that, that, you know, talk about putting a, a room full of doctoral students that are, that are facing a couple 30 page papers and synthesizing some really high level text. Is it plagiarism or is it not, you know? So then think about the skills that somebody would need that would be different than, than like, say when, when you started your PhD, right? Kids are going to need to be able to formulate questions, those queries, right? Mm -hmm. But they also need to be able to understand the research at a global level, break it up into the individual queries so that they can get the content that they're, that they're looking for and then they can modify it. But they still need to be able to conceptualize what their argument is going to be, right? I think um, one, I, I agree. And you know, what's interesting, we had someone who had two theories and he's working on his um, dissertation topic and he's really trying to figure out how these two theories go together. 
He's in my study group and he has worked on trying to figure out how these two theories go together for months and months and months and months. And just out of curiosity, he went in and he said, hey, take this theory and take this theory and synthesize them and create a research question that would would integrate both of these two theories together and, and keep mm -hmm. it under 100 words. And for months had been reading articles and right. And so he had the wherewithal and the understanding, the knowledge of, hey, these are two theories that have intersectionality, but at the same point, hadn't quite figured out how to piece it together and had, had been struggling with it for months and did it. And it was done in 10 seconds. And he's like, oh my gosh, that's what my brain has been trying to formulate. I haven't been able to do that. And like to see some aha moments like that, right? He had to have the background, but at the same point, he was able to synthesize these super in-depth multi-century old theories into one another, into a present day issue. Well, I think that leads into kind of my next kind of concept of if this is something that can be used to for them to generate questions or use to for students to kind of synthesize ideas, but they have to have that query. Is that going to change how what types of lessons are being integrated into the modern day curricula, right? What how is it going to change lesson planning or change the assignments and, and, and maybe even assessments, right? Do you feel like this is going to support what's been going on or is it going to completely change and, and curriculum is going to have to change to kind of keep up with what this is providing uh, society? So I'm, I'm really excited about um, not just chat GPT, but what's behind it. Because I think this could be the this could be the tipping point of what makes like true personalized learning available to our students. There's something that's missing to be able to develop a technology system so that we're creating the classroom of the future, right? And if somebody out there can leverage OpenAI to to build a system that gives all students what they need that's within their zone of proximal development that also meets their, like what they're interested in, that is age appropriate, that also is, is in a media or a form that they can understand. I mean, this is, this is the missing link, right? If somebody can, can harness that, that's what I'm most excited about. And I think, I think that could be the biggest, biggest change when we're, when we're looking at this. I, I, I fully agree. And, you know, I look at it as well in the sense that this is not, you know, we, and you, I never want to use definitives, right? And absolutes, I, you know, but when I say all, I mean that subjectively, but it's not like all schools are sitting kids in front of screens all day long and everything they're doing is on a screen, submitted through a screen. We're, we're not at a point where I, that's happening, especially, you know, within within the public education, you know, in, in, in school settings. And so... I don't have, do my kids have access to devices one-to-one? -one? Absolutely. Are they used as a tool when it's intentional by the teachers for specific purposes? You bet. Are they sitting during the middle of an assessment or anything like that on their computer using that to formulate their answers? No, right? And so you've got to look at when it's being used, right? And I think it's absolutely going to, it really is. It, it's going to impact, like, it feels like such a large statement to make, but like it already has and is going to really impact and transform the way many elements of the world operate and the sooner we understand and wrap our brain around how we can use that for positively within our 
sector, right, within education, it's going to prepare them to be able to problem solve down the road. It's going to prepare them to be able to have, you know, more efficient use of time. It's going to prepare them to be able to, you know, diagnose, hey, I wrote this code. I can't figure out how to fix it. Hey, Chat AI, can you help me find the three, you know, problems or whatever it is that, that's popping up in this code? It, it's got to work in tandem, right? Yes, 100 percent. And yeah. it, you made me think of something about personalized learning is how how difficult it is for sometimes a teacher and how time consuming it is with students at all different levels. Uh, you have classrooms, you know, pushing 30 students and they're all at different levels. If a teacher could say to the 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 chat GBT, generate a essay for them to read at their reading level about this topic that they love and have it spit it out in 20 seconds, <laughs> that's a game changer in terms of changing the way, you know, curriculum is created in a classroom that is personalized for every single student. It, that so, is so take, take it a, take it a step for, further, right? So my, my wife is a fifth grade teacher. Please create a 10 minute mini lesson on common core state standard um, RL that uh, period five, period four, that integrates an engaging hook, a, you know, seven minute guided lesson and a two minute wrap up that is that includes varying levels of questions through Bloom's taxonomy and pushes students to this, this and this that are at a writ level of 1200. Right. So, so yes. you start looking at that, you, you take your forward exam results and you look at your question, you know, question by question analysis. And I see that only 42% of people got question 17 in this specific domain in science, correct in their, you know, in their eighth grade test, create a five day plan that gets at this specific standard in this domain at this level of different activities that include uh, different levels of learning, right? I want one that's kinesthetic, one that's auditory, one that's visual, one, right? So you get it, yes. this and and how you're able to really help those kids. And and if we bring those, if we bring this together with different data systems that have that information in them, so you're talking about forward exam and writ scores and, and what type of learner students are, it could be building these lesson plans written in a way that teachers can actually like they can use them because I, I would argue that personalized learning to its full extent, I, I don't know if it is possible for teachers. I think we can individualize learning right now, but we're missing, and that goes back to what I was saying earlier. I think we're missing something similar to this with open AI that I, that's, it could be the missing piece. Yeah. The right when you started that, that statement, I was like, okay, so is that going to be, a chat AI for schools, right? Where all of the different standardized tests and standards across the, the, you know, the national standards, the state standards, all of those are input reading levels. Everything is generated and, you know, and then you can just kind of hit regenerate, regenerate. I, I don't like that lesson plan. And, and students can then say, hey, I want to slow down the pace. I just want to do one of these today and then tomorrow I'll pick right back up where I left off on this generate another one and then move on right I I had a bunch of uh, tech integrators and we were talking about steam activities and I asked it to generate five steam activities for fifth 
graders uh, using, you know, cardboard and popsicle sticks and it just like rambled them off and I didn't like them. I'm like, okay, give me five more. I've done those already this year and gives me five more. And, and so instead of surfing through the internet, looking at Pinterest and looking at all these different sites, I'm just hitting regenerate and it's until I find the one that I think is going to engage my students. Right. And then the students could be doing the same thing. Yep. That's another piece that we haven't even talked about. It's students just as it sits right now, they could be using this as an academic tutor. I mean, that's something that could be done today. I saw, I saw a really, really, really powerful high school English teacher that is starting with it at her AP senior level course. And she had students hand create and be very, very, very intentional with a specific thesis statement and worked for a couple of days on this. They had fantastic thesis statements. She did not tell them, but she then went and took their thesis statements, brought it into chat AI, and she wrote their essay for them through chat AI and said, using this thesis statement, create a five paragraph, um, you know, paper, yada, 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 essay. And um, then took those, printed them out, brought them back to the students and said, I want you to deconstruct this writing, figure out what this included that it was supposed to based on the way that this format should be written. And what is it missing? And what do you need to edit? And so then they went and sat and edited the AI version of the handwritten statement that they had created. And then using the rubric that she had, they had to go through and find, okay, we need to have you know a better source here. We need to have a citation here. It's missing this formatting there. There's no transition there. This feels too elementary here. And so then they had to completely deconstruct, edit, change, and bring back then a published piece to be able to use. And I, I thought that was a really, really, really interesting creative way to use that. Well, it isn't that aren't those the higher order thinking skills anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's really right. You're getting at that synthesis and that application of knowledge. And you're not and the students not spending so much time on the, the creation of it, which is good, too. Right. We want them to be creators. But if I had to choose between, you know, having students who maybe get stuck and spend hours trying to create something just because that's what they're asked to do, the tasks they're asked to do, as opposed to doing some of the higher order things, I'm going to always apt for the, the latter, right? Yep. And, and, but that's a very forward thinking teacher, right? Yes, very much so. You know, and then she talks, she goes, oh, you know, don't come at me for how this works with the younger ones. I am working on it. And she's kind of working her way backwards, right? So if I can do this at this level, then how do I step backwards? How do I step backwards? How do I step backwards? Like, how do I get to a point where we can use it at all? And say, right, it's, it's a learning curve for us as well. Well, and I, it's, it, this is a, a very strange podcast because it's getting a life of its own. And I'm, you're hitting all the questions that I've been asking <laughs> fluidly, right? <laughs> I mean, but I will go on to, to something that, you know, does this tool begin to bridge the gap between like schoolwork and grading and like real life? You know, it, it, or is it like at least bringing that question to the forefront? Like, what do we need to grade here? Are we more interested in the application of tools that can better society? One of you had mentioned that earlier is like, this could, you know, make society better in terms of better writing, better, you know, synthesis of information, better sharing of information, you know, more clear sharing of information. As long as we are teaching the skills of how to use it. 
rather than just say, okay, accept the fact that they're just going to copy and paste. Right. Yeah. You know, I, again, I, I, I work in a school and, and my wife is an educator as well. Um, we have toyed with it and, and it grades you, you can say on a rubric of, you know, four, three, two, one with four being this, right. And you copy and paste what it, what an exemplar is three being this, two being this one being this, please analyze the following text and create a, you know, a, give me the score and then B please create five personalized comments for the student named Mike who wrote this piece and, um, press enter and it, it's graded and <laughs> it's not that far off. Like it, 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 it can analyze those trends and, and give you a score. Is it going to be a hundred percent spot on every time? Nope. Right. There's no absolutes, but Holy cow, when you've got 130 essays to grade and you have the ability to do that and then to go in and tweak some of those things. And it, it truly is giving good authorized feedback and you're earning hours and hours and hours of your life back. It's interesting. I, I just thought, so as you were saying that, if if you have something that can automatically give you feedback, and I'm thinking as a writer here, like if I could have something constantly or assessing what I'm writing as I'm going, think about how how much more valuable the writing process can be for kids. If, if they're getting feedback as they're going, because so I'm somebody who, when I was going through high school, I hated writing. Um, because it was, I'd, I would write a paper, I'd turn it in, they'd grade it, and I'd be done. It took until my master's program to actually understand that there was supposed to be back and forth, and you were, there were supposed to be different iterations of your of your writing. But if you have something like OpenAI that's constantly giving you feedback on on your writing, you're going to appreciate the writing process at a much younger grade, I would assume. Yeah, yeah. You know, I... I... Again, it, a lot of times it's a starting point, but I've used it with my own writing. I've used it in, you know, and it's little things like trying to figure out like, okay, like I, I've read this book. I've read this other book. I kind of know what these three themes are. Like, how would I word this? How would I change this? Can you give me feedback on this? You know, and then the goofy elements as well of, you know, like you said, you can level it, you know, write this at a third grade level, write this at a 12th grade level, write this in iambic pentameter, write this in an AB a B poem, write this in Shakespearean dialect. Like, I mean, you can, you start to, to really push it. Well, and, and I think, I, I think the, the dilemma here is that is it cheating or are we asking students to do something they're not engaged in to begin with? Right. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I think, mm -hmm. I think that, that there's all, there's always a human curiosity, right? There's a, there's human wonder, there's human curiosity, and there will always be a desire to better ourselves and, and, and learn more. Right. And does it, it, will this take that away? I don't think so. I think it's going to open up more doors and more opportunities for people to say, Hey, this is what I really want to get good at. And this tool will help me get there. And now you're going to block it or you're going to grade me down because I used it. It's kind of a, a scary kind of uh, not a catch 22, but just a, a, a dilemma that society is going to have to kind of grapple with. And what are we grading here? Right. Right. And, and I, I go back to that teacher saying, Hey, I'm going to leverage this tool to get my students to be thinking about 
what this tool generated and how it could be better, right? And if they can make it better, think about what they're going to be producing when they're asked to make something. And that, that's, that's, I think is a, is a key thing is using this tool to create something that they've, that's better than anything they've created before. Right? And, and I think we also, I mean, we should just mention like we, there are still, we want to assess the standards, right? So if I'm a, if I'm an 11th grade English teacher and I'm, and one of my standards is like on, on the writing process, we still want kids to be able to write, but this could help them with their writing, right? Oh, totally. I, I guess, and, and one of you mentioned, we mentioned this right up in the beginning, I think, is, is how much time this frees up for getting to that standard, right? Or how much time it frees up for educators. And, and that's kind of like my last question here is, is do we think that in the hands of open-minded, trained educators, this is going to free up their time from tedious tasks to help them spend more time focusing and targeting the, the, the needs of their students? Maybe a student's struggling on this standard, and we can really target that standard, and that we can build relationships with that student and, and really encourage that meaningful learning rather than you know, maybe just kind of having them do the same thing they've been doing for the last, you know, how many years of their education. Now we can really dive deep in, and get into some really kind of uh, exciting avenues that they haven't even thought of before. Yeah. So, so if, if teachers see this as a tool that could do some of the things that, so I don't know how many teachers you guys have in your districts that, say that they love grading. Um, I, I don't think we have a ton here. But yeah, if it, if it can take those things off of their plates, then that can free them up to do the more powerful things like developing relationships. And like, that's where the magic happens. When you go into a classroom and you just feel like you you belong there. I mean, that's that's what a teacher brings to the table. And if if this kind of a tool can free them up to to do those types of things, like we'll be in a lot better, better places as a society. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree. I mean, I think about the standards and, and how many there are, right? And, and I think about all the coverage that teachers feel the pressure to cover and having a tool that can cut out some of the, some of the trivial work that just takes time, right? It, it does take time to grade. It does take time to formulate emails. It takes time to develop lesson plans or to customize them, you know, or to differentiate them or personalize them. I think this tool can take some of that away. Then the teachers can focus on building those connections, connecting to the students, find out what their passions are and then tie the standards to those passions. And to me, that was, is what makes this a game changer in, in the classroom and in the education setting. And, and, and I hope that districts are more like uh, you, are you guys that are open-minded and, and keeping it unlocked and, and just kind of letting teachers explore it and, and, and keep on, I, I, I'm, a, I'm enrolled in a couple webinars for this week and next week just just find out more ways that educate i mean think about it it's been around a month and already there's just conferences and webinars all built around it and how uh, education can leverage this 
Well, I think that about wraps it up. I think we've kind of touched on everything I was going to ask, and I didn't even ask all the questions because you guys were answering them as we were talking. But I have to, I have to thank Mike and Adam from Beloit and and Norway Joint Seven. You guys, I hope that uh, we can get together again, maybe speak at a conference together sometime or a workshop, do a workshop. I know Beth would love that. Would love Beth. that. You know, I was I was kind of chuck. You know, it's so hard think about the timing slate is in December and man, I would have loved to have a conversation there. Um, I think whether it's slate or one of those conferences, you know, in the upcoming years, I think it'd be, it'd be really powerful to almost create like a track, right? You're, you're allowed to go pick your sessions, but if you wanted a track, we'd love to talk to you about the the basics of what this is and, and, you know, just wrap your brain around it and set up an account and play with it. And then, hey, in another one, let's get an intermediate level where, hey, here's how we're looking to see it, you know, use it in the classroom, yada, yada, yada. And then an advanced level of, hey, bring some data with you, bring this, bring this. You know, I, I think that there's some some really interesting elements of it. And, you know, I, I think my my closing part with it that, that I'm excited and very nervous to kind of see how it progresses is from my understanding as of right now, it's, it's essentially that they have coded basically the world's information that, that's been available on the internet from 2021 prior. Which means that in my mind, it's only a matter of time until this is really analyzing data almost within real time. And when you shift from, hey, it's analyzing things that have already been produced to this algorithm can analyze things that are currently happening, whether that's analyzing things like the stock market or a current basketball game where I'm a soccer coach, if I have some sort of way where it's transcribing what's happening and how to, hey, this team is playing this formation and I'm playing this formation, how do I shift this and that and statistics on professional athletes and, I mean, varying things like that. It, it really is, I mean, it, it's wild. And I, I think, you know, there's very few things that I get truly, truly, truly excited about in technology they're like like uh mike i think you said you know you're an early adopter i'm always on the front end of that curve whether it was things like google glass you know or whatever mm -hmm. it may be always trying that stuff out and this is one of the first things in a really long time that that has just absolutely blown my mind and, and turns into such a rabbit hole in in a matter of in minutes and, and, and all of a sudden you're three hours later and hundreds of queries later and, and realizing how you can push it it's it's incredible i i hope people can can see that it's not going to be something that goes anywhere and and, and it, the sooner we can figure out how to use it for good and to teach it and use it as an appropriate tool no different than a google search no different than a cell phone no different than any of that stuff if we can use it in a positive way just as we have with other inventions it, it can be a really powerful tool yeah when when we started talking about this in our district, I, I sent an email to our superintendent and said, this is, this, this is going to be a game changer. I mean, this is going to change the world. I think it, it needs to stay open to some extent so that creators have access to it because that's how you're going to get innovation, especially in education. It, it's, it's difficult if you're, if you're in education, you don't have a huge budget. So, so I just hope that they, to some extent, they keep this open for people to use. Just like when social media came out and, and you know, we thought, oh, it's going to connect people all over the world. And 
this is the greatest thing for relationships and connections. And then it, you know, it, it we see that problem with it. Right. And, and, you know, what the abuses of it or, or the bad side of it, it's, it's, a, but I, I, at Slate, one of the best sessions I went to was using digital social media for good. Right. And how do we leverage it for good? How do we teach students and people around the world to to use these tools for good and to make the world a better place i i feel the same thing for this as you were saying that is like if we can leverage this for good if we keep it open if we allow educators to use this think of the possibilities of what ChatGPT and and open ai and sources like this can do to make it better for students and make it better for teachers and and that We'll end on that because I, I think really you guys were rock stars and I, I got to thank you again for, for all your input I, and thank you for being uh, innovators and, and trying this out and really getting back to me. And so thanks again, Adam, Mike, you guys, uh, I, well, let's keep in touch. You, you got it, Frank. Thanks so much. Thanks for having for us sure. on. Yep. Thank you very much. Thank you to Frank, Mike, and Adam for all the insights on chat GPT. As I work specifically in communications and I guess generally write a bunch of different things, I don't want a robot to take over my job. However, it's only February of 2023 and there's so many directions this technology can be taken. Both our guests shared stories on how they can use this AI for things like programming stuff for their website and writing small trivial emails. So there's a lot of potential for this technology besides making writing a school paper easier for students. And don't worry, Phil, we won't replace your position with AI yet. As I mentioned, there's always new technology coming out, whether calculators, spreadsheets, social media, or anything else. It's how we interact with the technology that will make it a positive or negative. As some teachers have already done, having students analyze and critique how ChatGPT writes will help make them better writers and critical thinkers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Building Educator Capacity. Be the first to know when our next episode lands. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to Ms. Liz Elliott, band teacher from Whitewater Middle School, for providing the music for this podcast. We'll catch you next time.